You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody, it's Ryan. Thanks for joining me for another episode. It's not every day you get a chance to talk to somebody who's inspired you musically, creatively. Me as a bass player, I'm excited to be talking to Mr. Greg Norton, formerly of Husker Du. Now with a band called Ultra Bomb. Greg, thank you for being here, man. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Of course. Let's go back a few years. How did you pick up the bass? How did you get inspired to play the bass? I just kind of want to understand your story with that instrument. Uh, you know, it's, um, I guess as a kid, I, I still had fat fingers, right? So the guitar didn't really work for me. And plus I was loved, I always loved bass line. So when I was 14, my mom, uh, actually, no, I take that back. I must've been 13. My mom bought me uh, my first birth, uh, bass for a birthday present and yeah. kind of, you know, fooled around on it through high school and never really got serious with it until uh, all of a sudden there was uh, this band called Husker Du and uh, and uh, we had a gig and it's like I had to learn three sets of material. Of course, that's the four piece Husker Du that only played three shows of all cover material. Yeah. But that basically, you know, turned into Bob Grant and myself writing, um, you know, doing originals, being being punks and having fun. Yeah. And you and Grant, you guys worked at a record store together, right? We did. Yeah, we actually worked at a couple of stores together owned by the same guy, but we met in a suburban strip mall store called Melody Lane and then ultimately ended up at uh, a shop called Cheapo Records, which was uh, right on the McAllister College campus in St. Paul. And that's where we met Bob when he showed up late August of 70, um, 78 to start his freshman year at McAllister. Yeah. And I heard it was a funny story how Bob got involved with playing with you guys because it was it was around like Thanksgiving time. To, what's that? What is that story? How your <laughs> I think your your mom or something um, invited him or talk about that. Right. So, um, so there was a the Ramones were were did a tour in uh, the fall of '78, opening up for Foreigner. Uh, on you know it was an arena tour and they were playing the St. Paul Civic Center. Uh, the three of us were going together. It was, I don't know, maybe a week before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my mom's just talking to Bob. She's like, oh, so are you going to go home for the holidays? He's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm probably going to stay here. And she's like, oh, well, what are you going to do? He's like, oh, I'm probably just sit around by myself in, in my dorm room. And she's like, no, you're going to come over here and have dinner with us. And I'm, uh, and actually I had just kind of just recently met Bob and I'm like, I just like met this guy. Yeah, <laughs> now he's right. my mom just invited him to Thanksgiving dinner. So uh, I hope he's like not a weirdo or anything. So right. uh, he came over for Thanksgiving. We had a great time. Uh, it was about maybe about four or five weeks later is when um, the manager of Cheapo Records, this guy named Charlie Pine, uh, Grant, myself, a couple other friends, and Charlie Pine were at this corner dive bar and uh charlie came back with a couple of pitchers of beer from the bar and said grant we need to put a band together because i just got us a gig 
And Grant's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, I saw they had music here. So I asked him about it. And the guy said, yeah, why? You got a band? And he said, sure, I do. And he goes, all right, you, you're playing March 30th and 31st. That's <laughs> so how thrown into it, really. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, and then Grant's like, well, I know this guy at McAllister, he's got a flying V. He could probably play guitar. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the next day, Grant and I picked Bob up and the three of us jammed out a bunch of Ramones tunes and, and we're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is fun. It's fun playing with the with the you know the three of us. And we learned, you know, like I said, three sets of cover songs that, I mean, ranged from uh, Lou Reed to uh, the Beatles to Dave Edmonds and Elvis Costello to Para Ubu to the Buzzcocks. Uh, I mean, it was all over the place, and some Ramones, yeah, uh, as well as like Gene Gene Vincent and the Trash Band. Uh, and Bob Grant and myself really enjoyed playing together, but yeah. we didn't necessarily like playing with Charlie. He was a little bit older than us, you know, um, uh, had a little bit of a attitude that like, you know, he's a little bit too cool, you know? And, yeah. and so we're like, uh, well, let's not tell Charlie, but let's, so we start rehearsing on our own, start writing our own material. We had one more show after those, that, those first two that Charlie lined up at McAllister College and uh, when we got done with our set they were like hey you guys still have like 15 minutes to keep playing so the three of us jumped up to start playing the music that we just wrote yeah and Charlie had no idea what was going on and somebody yanked the cord out of the back of the uh, keyboards that he was playing so that he couldn't because <laughs> he didn't know what was happening right and uh, and the rest is history that was that was the birth of who's for do right there wow that's wild. And was it weird? I mean, what was the experience like with Charlie after that? I mean, did you guys pretty much just kind of, you know, uh, like... you know, he, I see him around occasionally. He still lives in the twin cities. I mean, he went on to, uh, work with, uh, uh, the twin cities band, the Jayhawks and, and, uh, you know, he's still involved in music. He's, he's, he is a good keyboard player. Uh, I think he was a little bitter at first and, uh, you know, but probably he probably didn't like the original stuff that we were playing you know he was yeah. um we were probably too punk for him but you know i see him around now and and you know we get along fine he's we're, we're cordial so yeah all yeah. good and then who's gonna do really evolved to be like you guys were like hardcore i mean you were playing three chord songs but it was they were hardcore i mean they were they were they were powerful they were edgy they were energetic um and those early shows were 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 super crazy. I, I I remember I watched a video that said there were there was this group of guys that would go there and wrestle at your shows, and they were like, <laughs> oh yeah, super yeah. fans. Talk can you talk a little bit about that? What what that was? About? Oh sure, yeah. No, those um, we we had this rabid group of uh, fans that we ultimately ended dubbing the uh, the Husker Veggies. Yeah. Uh, how we came up with that, we're not really sure. But then we would jokingly say, oh, yeah, it means uh, very inebriated, gen uh, generally intoxicated. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, the uh, American Wrestling Association, that's Vern Gagne and uh, the Crusher and, uh, you know, actually uh, basically all the all the people that that um, uh, Vince McMahon ultimately steals for um, for the WWE. Uh, E or whatever it is now yeah uh, came a lot of those guys came from here you know jeffy the body ventura you know yeah. went on to become governor of the state of minnesota right but uh, 
yeah so there there was a big love of punk rock there was a big love of uh, pro wrestling and and uh these guys like to you know kind of put on their moves out on the dance floor it was pretty hilarious it was all just a good time <laughs> you know, Howard, uh, you're trying to play during that is like was it was it was it interrupting your play was it distracting was it a problem for you no, not at all. Actually, it added to the whole ambience, ambience and uh, of the of the night and the spirit of the you know the energy of the crowd and right. um, you know we we fed off each other. It was very symbiotic. Yeah, yeah. And and Bob was a fan of wrestling, wasn't he? Wasn't he kind of into that stuff oh, yeah. too? Yeah. Oh, Bob was uh, uh, is still a huge wrestling fan. I mean, he after Husker, he even did a stint uh, writing for uh an association i think based out of atlanta which is crazy uh, yeah. we did a tour with a guy named james melby who had worked for um the awa and so we you know got a lot of inside secrets and stuff like that yeah uh, it, it was it, it's fun it's entertainment it's it's um you know, it's it's a morality play, right? Good good conquers over evil, you know, but right. the bad guys occasionally will rise up. Oh, look out, he's got a chair, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's so funny how, how punk rock and wrestling kind of go hand in hand for some reason. I've got a lot of friends who love punk rock, and then a lot of those same friends are huge into wrestling. It's just, it's funny how they just, there's a synergy. Yeah, it is. Yep. Uh, mm hmm well, that's great, Greg. So let's talk about um, Ultra Bomb. You know, so you, I mean, you had a lot of bands since Husker Do. That's that's been a while. It's been like three, four decades, right? So you've done all, you've done some other things before. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. You know, I I briefly had a band right after Husker Do called Gray Area. Yeah. And um, uh, we did we did a one tour uh, down to Texas and back. That, but it was like in the middle of the summertime, so kids weren't in college just poor timing on our part yeah when we uh, we did record some uh some tracks at uh, pachyderm studios uh where nirvana recorded with steve albini wow that's like about 20 miles from where i live in cannon falls so i'm in really? red wing minnesota and uh, uh after that tour things kind of fizzled out our guitar player he said he didn't want to be a guitar player anymore and of course, the drummer and I were like, well, it's kind of hard to be a rock band without a guitar player. Right. So from there, I drift into uh, working uh, in restaurants. I, I meet uh, a, a dear friend, Lenny Russo, uh, who's one of the top chefs in, in, you know, the upper Midwest. But at the time, he, you know, he was, uh, you know, we're talking 1988, 1989 yeah. is when we meet. And he talks me into the back of the house and teaches me how to cook. Yeah. And from there, that led into a very long career in restaurants. And ultimately, I ended up, you know, being a chef and, um, you know, doing all this farm to table, cooking from scratch, writing your own menus, changing them, you know, daily, if not weekly. And, um, and it was great. I, I absolutely loved that. But during that period, I didn't pick up the base. I had, you know, I was working long hours in the, in the restaurant. Yeah. Um, so I, I went like literally, at, I think at least 14 years without even touching a base. Wow. Uh, and then I met, uh, this guy from the twin cities who was the drummer in a, a world renowned jazz trio called the bad plus. And, uh, 
they were playing a show and, and I read that, that, you know, they said Husker Du was an influence on them. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And I, I really like these guys. Yeah. Went to see a show. And, and after the show, I wanted to just, you know, introduce myself. And Dave King immediately was like, oh, man, I've got an idea for a band. And you, you're like the perfect bass player for it. Yeah. And I'm like thinking like, oh, shit, I should probably make sure I have a bass. And I didn't <laughs> yeah. have any amps at the time. I'm like, I should probably buy an amp, too. So. Right. Uh, so that's how um, the next project I did then is this thing with Dave and um, a couple other guys, Eric Frotsky and Craig Taborn for the first record that was called Gang Font featuring Interloper. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thirsty Year Records out of New York put it out. Uh, you know, they're kind of an avant jazz label, but they dabble in some rock. But, you know, the record kind of, it was too out for the uh, for the rock guys, and it was too rock for the jazz guys. So yeah. they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. But Gangfont still managed to, you know, play play some shows. We played a few shows around New York. We actually recorded a second record in 2010, uh, which we have not released yet. Um, I joke that it's our Grand Reserva. We've just been cellaring it until it's ready. Mm-hmm. But uh, hopefully we'll get that out this year. And uh, and Gangfam will actually probably play a show or two uh, in the next year as well. But, you know, Gangfam was the type of thing we were playing like one gig a year. And yeah. so I had gotten a phone call from uh, somebody that I knew from a band called Porcupine. And they'd been around for a while, and I saw them open up for the Meat Puppets. I, you know, I liked their stuff. I thought Casey was a, I still think Casey's a great singer and guitar player. And right. uh, so I step in, replace their longtime bass player, and uh, you know, and Porcupine as a three-piece uh, with Ian Prince on drums. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was uh, Ian is just an incredible drummer. Uh, Casey writes really good good tunes um it started out really great and then it just kind of you know and ends up stagnating a little bit yeah um ends up not working out so i leave porcupine finney mcconnell who is a facebook friend at the time sees this and uh sends me a message and goes hey we should start a band and i'm Mm -hmm. like well what are you thinking he's like oh I know the greatest punk drummer in the world, Jamie Oliver. He's uh, drums for the UK subs. Good friend of mine. Known him for a long time. He'd, he'd love to, to be in a band. And at, uh, at the same time he sent me that message, he messaged Jamie going like, hey, you want to start a band with Greg Norton? And Jamie's like, fuck yeah, I'm in. So yeah. uh, that's basically how um, Ultra Bomb starts. We don't have a name yet, but come up with the name Ultra Bomb like, pretty quick. Mm-hmm. The original concept of Finney's was, well, the three of us, we're all from iconic, you know, punk bands, backgrounds. We'll just get together. We'll play just a bunch of Husker and Mahones and UK sub covers and just have a laugh. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, that, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Let's do that. And then it's like, well, you know, we should probably also maybe start working on our own material, too. Right. And so now this is like literally a month after we become the concept online and Finney's uh, 
is in Germany doing a solo tour and he messages and says, Hey, I've got like studio time booked in Berlin. And, uh, Oh, and uh, Jamie is just going to happen to be in Berlin at the same time. Yeah. And I just started thinking like, Oh man, they're both going to be in the studio. Finney's got studio or in Berlin. Finney has studio time booked. I should probably maybe go over there and actually yeah. meet these guys, you know? And, and, and so I, one that crazy notion turned into taking a flyer literally to uh, Berlin. Um, Jamie picked me up from the airport. Uh, we take the train back into Berlin. First time I'd ever met him yeah, face to face. And the next morning, Finney shows up at the studio. First time I had ever actually met him face to face. And here's the three of us in the room for the first time. Yeah. Uh, first time ultra bombs all together. And, you know, and, and everybody's getting along great. And, and so Finney's like, oh, man, I wrote a ton of great riffs for Ultra Bomb. And we start going through stuff and we would hammer out an arrangement and, and get it all set. And then we tell the engineer to record it. Yeah. And record, uh, you know, and probably kept uh, most of the first takes. Uh, some stuff was, you know, like second take. And the engineer was like, so you're telling me that you just wrote that song just right now. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we actually have never met before. This is like the first time we've all been together. Yeah. We, all of this music we're writing right now, right in front of you. And we did four songs the first day, another six on the second day. Wow. So we've got 10 songs and we're like really happy with the music. You know, we're going, wow, man, this, this turned out great. You know, yeah. there were, there were a couple of riffs that we worked on. We're like, ah, oh, okay, that one's not working. Let's just scrap that. Uh, the third night, Jamie is off um, playing a gig, uh, filling in for, for a local German band on drums. And Finney is laying down some rhythm guitar tracks. And I'm like, you know, I've got all these lyrics that I've been writing for the last couple of years. And right. so we print them, print them off my phone. And um, Finney looks at it and he's like, holy shit, I've got the whole record figured out. Wow. And so on the last day, Jamie's back. Finney goes in, sings the whole record straight through. Wow. Uh, you know, we did some, uh, you know, some pencil edits on the fly just to kind of help with cadence and to make things flow. And, and he, he nails it. It's like, holy shit, I can't believe how well you put my lyrics to our music. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know, and a lot of times the lyrics weren't necessarily written with any particular tune in mind i mean usually you know maybe there was something in the background but yeah it just fits so well and wow and um but he's like oh we made a masterpiece <laughs> and we're all like yeah we did it yeah four days yeah. you know four days in the studio we just made a 10 song record and at the end of that day we still had some time and we had talked about doing a cover song um a couple nights earlier and we said like oh sonic reducer would be a great song to do so we I uh, had enough time. We we go in, lay down Sonic Reducer, and then I sang it uh, in one take, and that's the record. That is wild. So, do you think? I mean, it seems like it happens so easily for you guys because of the experience, like you, the experience you collectively have, right? Do you think that's a part of it, or do you think it was just the chemistry was there? I think it's a combination of both, and uh, probably more chemistry than than. Um, than history you know our yeah. backgrounds but you know i mean it didn't didn't hurt that we all were you know 
already players and had played in, in a lot of bands and, and stuff like yeah. that. But um, it was by far chemistry and, and, and it still is. It felt like we had been playing together for years when we recorded in Berlin. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, Hansi, the, the engineer at the studio was like, I can't believe that you guys just did that. Wow. He, he was totally blown away. Yeah. So real quick start to the band. You know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, let's go, go, go. And then it and then it takes um, a few months to get it mixed and mastered. You know, it's because right. we're all back now in our separate countries and and trying to navigate time zones and, and communicate and get everybody on the same page. Yeah. yeah. And we, you know, we've got some some shows booked uh, that we end up, you know, we had a run of shows in Canada booked that and. We end up having to cancel because there's um, Jamie books his flight is told he doesn't need a visa shows up at the airport and they're like, Oh, we changed our mind. You need a visa. Uh -oh. He's like, so that, that, that cancels that. And then uh, we were going to had a, some shows in Ireland and England planned for the spring of um, uh, 2022. And that ends up getting canceled because of, of uh, COVID uh, restrictions being put back in place. Right. So now we've got things rescheduled for uh, June of, of 2022. And I get di diagnosed with prostate cancer. I'm like, right. you have to be kidding me. So uh, get my surgery scheduled. Uh, in the meantime, we, we do get one offer from uh, a Minneapolis venue called the Hook and Ladder. Yeah. They want us to headline their their uh, uh, Roots Rock and Deep Blues Festival that they put on every year, mm -hmm. and we're like, yeah, let's let's do this. So Jamie and Benny fly in for that. Uh, we play one show. It it was good, sloppy fun. Yeah, uh, the crowd went wild, and um, five days later, I'm in the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, having my prostate out. Wow, and um, you know, we we canceled the rest of our plans for 2022, so I could, you know, fully re recuperate. Right. And all this time, we're also waiting for our vinyl to get pressed. It gets ordered, but you know, we're like a small, you know, we're a small order. We keep getting bumped by stuff, and and it all the you know, Adele released an album uh, taylor swift releases too beyonce put out an album so right I was, all those small orders get pushed aside side so that they can you know press three to five million copies of a record that probably will only sell one million right right so um that gets us to right now jamie is here in red wing with me finney comes in sunday we start full band rehearsals our first show of this tour is Thursday in St. Paul at the mm -hmm. um, Turf Club. Yeah. And then we've got 18 shows between Thursday and the end of the month. And, you know, and, and ultimately it gets us to punk rock bowling for uh, Memorial Day weekend. We're doing two shows, one with the Dickies on Saturday, um, Sunday night. Yeah. And I'm really excited for that because I'm a you know big Dickies fan. Um, I think it was Bob that once said like, oh, well, you know, when we first got together, uh, Husker wanted to play faster than the Ramones. And then we heard the Dickies and now we want to play faster than the Dickies. Yeah. So, right. Uh, you know, 
some a bunch of times back in the day and um, really looking forward to, to seeing them again. And then Monday we're on the main stage and, you know, I think we're the fourth to last band. So after us, L7 suicidal tendencies and then the headliner dropkick Murphy's. So I think it's a good time slot. I'm excited. Yeah. It's punk rock bowling, baby. On the <laughs> yeah. main stage, Vegas. Yeah. Have you ever played Vegas before? Uh, we, Husker Du played once at the university. Okay. And that's the only time that we played. Okay. Well, I think this will be a different experience. Punk rock bowling is fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, exciting. I, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and I hear you, you're also kind of a foodie, right, Greg? Like you, 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 you were a cook for a while. Are you kind of a, would you consider yourself a little bit of a food snob or what's your, what's your taste when it comes to food? Well, I'm not a food snob. Yeah. Um, I, I know how to lower my expectations uh, so to, as to not be disappointed when I go out to eat. Yeah. Uh, typically, I, I'm, I am disappointed, though, when I go out to eat at, at you know, a high-end restaurant that has a really great reputation. Yeah. You know, then I, then I get a little bit more critical. But, yeah, yeah, no, I was a chef for a long time. And uh, the guy that, that taught me, uh, you know, how to, how to cook, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a perennial James Beard nominee for top chef in the Midwest, mm -hmm. usually always losing out to either somebody in Chicago or Kansas city, but you know, yeah. Uh, what do you do? But yeah, I mean, he taught me a lot about food all through that time. Also, I learned a lot about wine. Uh, when I had my own restaurant, I, you know, I was the wine buyer. And actually, when I got out of the restaurant business in 2010, I went into wine sales for um, one of the distributors in Minnesota that specializes in, you know, direct importing uh, small producers from Europe and South America, um, you know, as well as some uh, Cal California uh, wineries as well. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm probably more of a snob when it comes to wine than I am. Um, food uh but there again I, I don't mean that like it has to be expensive it just has to be good there are so many great uh winemakers out there that are putting out bottles of wine that you know are only going to cost you maybe 15 20 bucks for for a great bottle of wine uh it drives me crazy in america you've got everybody loves their craft independent breweries yeah uh, you know piss on the big guys and yeah. then when it comes to wine all they drink is like the mass produced shit. And yeah. it's like, no, you don't have to drink apothic. You can drink something way better than that. Yeah. You know, that's something created in a lab. Have something that was <laughs> created in the goddamn vineyard. Right. So, something real. Yeah. 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 So who's going to you, you said earlier today, uh, who's going to has got a, like a, a record store day release. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's funny how you, how you were talking about the uh, the early recordings and, and how kind of hectic and, and fast they were. So this is um, a record from um, three different sets from uh, the Longhorn Bar in Minneapolis, which was, okay. you know, long, that was the original long uh, punk venue in, in Minneapolis. And it was a great room. Uh, the Stranglers played there, Blondie played there, Talking Heads played there, Paraubu played there, Elvis wow. Costello played there, uh, the police even played there. Um, it was it was an, a great room. 
And uh, so it's our first set from 1979. And it's interesting because the band is, has only been together for a few months at this point, right. but we're writing our own material. Uh, it's not as fast as it gets. And then you skip forward to side two and it's um, almost exactly a year later. The band picks up a little bit in speed, but this is also the time where, you know, we were still pretty heavily influenced by um, what was coming out of like the Manchester scene in England. And, yeah. you know, we loved the Buzzcocks and, uh, you know, Bob, Bob is really starting to kind of come into his own as a songwriter and the very last, uh, the second disc then is the last show that we played there. We were up against uh, the Plasmatics across town at a different bar. So we knew that we probably weren't going to have a lot of people at our show, but yeah. we had a lot of fun that night and the recordings sound so in so clean and good and the, the band is tight and powerful uh it's i think it holds up with like anything that would have come out like in 1980 you know but right. this is before uh bob discovers black flag and goes like hardcore yeah we can do hardcore yeah so yeah it's uh it's called uh husker do tonight longhorn it was a record it's a record door uh, store day um, exclusive for uh, through July 22nd. So right now it's only available at stores that participate in re record store day. And then after that, uh, we put it out on our own reflex label, which is the label that we created to put our first single out on. Right. Uh, so, so we're the label and we're going to we'll have it uh, available for broader di distribution um, later this summer. Is it going to be released as a vinyl then, and then with like a like a box set with a booklet and everything? Is there going to be a whole package with it, or it's well, it's a double LP vinyl. Okay. And uh, uh, we did have some CDs pressed up, and we thought we, you know, made pressed up enough to get us through the end of the year, but they ended up taking orders for um, three times the amount of the CDs that we we made. So uh, it'll be out there on both uh, vinyl and CD. That's great. Is it nice gatefold sleeve uh, photos of the band from uh, the Longhorn days. Uh, Thurston um, um, Thurston Moore did the liner notes. Wow. Yep. That's great. Is it going to be? Can you can you purchase it online or is it just to just for in store only? Uh, I'm not sure if it's available online. Maybe maybe through a record shop that has an online presence, but um, I'm not really sure how that works with the okay how their exclusive works, except that, you know, um, if you've got a local shop that did something for record store day, they most likely would maybe still have it in stock. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So with ultra bomb, like where are you, where are you driving your inspiration from lyrically? Cause you said you wrote a lot of lyrics. Like, are you, are you talking about mostly just stuff going on in the world now? Or where, where, where does your inspiration come for that? Uh, a lot of it, you know, is inspired by, you know, things that, are happening around us and uh you know some of them are from personal experiences and some of them are just you know observations on how this this shit world that we're living in right now you know and and right. how to hopefully 
hopefully we inspire people to, to be better and, and make it a better place. So, um, yeah, the lyrics kind of spanned, um, you know, two or three year period where I just would jot down some things. Some, some songs were fully realized in the moment and I would crank out a whole song and a lot of them were, you know, I, I write, think of something and write it down. And then, you know, later on, jot something else down and and then a couple of weeks later something else and then going through stuff it's like oh you know actually these parts actually um fit together right. and uh, you know i'm still um uh, you know finney probably only used uh, a little over half of of um what i actually presented that day uh and i didn't you know, print off everything. So, you know, I've got more lyrics. I've been writing more lyrics. And our goal with the band, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we crank out a few new tunes here even before um, before we start the tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully we'll be debuting some, some new material on the road. And the goal is to have a, another album's worth of stuff ready to get into the studio with uh, by this fall. Yeah, uh, we're working with DC Jam Records, and um, they're ready to um, put out the next record as as quick as we're ready to give it to them. So, yeah. How do you? I mean, how do you prepare? It seems like you're the kind of guy that can can play the bass and just kind of just start working. Like you can just start flowing. You know, anytime. Even if you take if you if you stop playing bass, like you said, for ten years. I feel like you're the kind of guy who could pick it up and just start playing again. No problem. Like you don't have that slump, right? Typically. Right. Uh, you know, and I think part of that is just due to that. I'm, I'm not a trained, like a, you know, it's like I didn't learn how to play the bass. Um, like from a music teacher, it's like I, I basically had to learn to play Right. As we were playing. And so, you know, to, for me, I just kind of jump in and I play what I hear, I think should the bass should be doing. Right. And, um, you know, and I guess that that kind of became, you know, I, I guess I, I developed a, a style that uh, people go like, oh, yeah, it's like I, I recognize recognize those those bass lines. It's it's I like the sound. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and actually, yeah, the gang font was a was a great way to get back into it because it was kind of a more free project to begin with, and um, Dave King just wanted me to play whatever I wanted to, so it was great. Yeah, yeah. you kind of—I mean, I feel like like with me, like you just kind of play and you just feel you feel the energy of the music, right? And it just kind of comes through you. Is that kind of what you think? Kind of how it feels for you? Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, feeding off the other band members and what they're doing, um, right? You know, and working working out bits that sound good together. Yeah, and, and you guys have a pretty big tour coming up over the next several weeks. I mean, leading up to punk rock bowling, how do you how do you deal with that amount of work, just the traveling and all that stuff? I mean, do you do anything to kind of keep keep yourself together, healthy during tour? Because it's it's it can be grueling sometimes, right? it's definitely can be a grind yeah. uh it's gonna go by fast you know we start 
Thursday night uh, and actually play three three nights in a row, and then we have a day off. It just happened to work out that way. Yeah. Uh, but then it starts um, eight shows and a day off uh, because we have to drive from Dallas to Tucson. Mm-hmm. And then um, six shows right up through uh, Memorial Day. Yeah. Uh, and we do have a day off after punk rock bowling. Yeah. And um, one last show in Denver and then home. So it'll go fast. And, you know, the way, you know, the way you cope with, you know, it's, it, you know, playing the shows actually helps you, does help you relax and, and keeps, yeah. keeps you focused and, and sharp. Um, right. You know, and, and with a schedule like that, it's not like you have time to, you know, go out and, um, you know, it's, nobody's going to be drinking their face off type of thing, you know, so. Right, right. Well, Greg, it's been a good conversation. I think everybody listening should go check out Ultra Bomb. I, I was listening to Time to Burn yesterday, and I loved it. It's it's really got it, it's got a mix of that old sound, but there's there's some new elements to it, which I love. Um, oh, for sure. Yep. So, it, it, it's yeah. uh, classic, but fresh at the same time. Right, and that's what I think we all want to hear now. So nice. That's that's awesome. So. Well, yeah, and if you're going to be at a record store day or going, if you're listening, go pick up the Husker Du box set. I'm going to go check that out for sure. Well, I hope there's a record not a box, store. just uh, just a double LP. Oh, it's a double LP. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I'll, I'll have to go check that out if it's going to be at one store here. We have a couple of stores here in Vegas, so that's great. Well, Greg, yeah. thank you so much, man. It's been a great conversation. As always, you're an inspiration for me as a bass player and me and tons of other people. Um, I remember gosh 20 some years ago my uncle telling me my uncle who's a drummer in new york you got to check out Husker Du. his band is extremely influential so i appreciate you taking the time to talk to me greg and i really wish you the best with your tour and everything um i know you'll be successful so thanks again man yeah you're welcome thanks for having me on did you enjoy this episode i hope so If you want to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Ryan says thanks. Your support is appreciated. And hey, even if you don't buy me a coffee, I'm happy to have you listening. So keep it up and thanks again.